This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello folks, it's David here and I would just like to take a moment to ask you to go and check out our sponsors NordVPN. Internet security, very important. I'm sure it's something that you're concerned about as well. Me, I like to know that I'm the person in control of my data. I live on my phone and the amount of stuff I do on it from banking to documents to private messaging, I need to know is secure. We all know that there are bad people out there who will come in and uh, try and get our details and try and spend our money for us. NordVPN prevents that, especially if you're using public Wi-Fis or you're using Wi-Fis away from your home. If you use NordVPN, you are safe and protected. It also allows you to take short holidays to places if that's ever required. It's a brilliant product. I use it every day and highly recommend it. And you can get a tremendous offer if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand that's nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand or use the code heart and hand to get up to 70% off your nordvpn plan you'll also get one additional month for free risk free with nord it's 30 day back money uh, 30 day money back guarantee so all you need to do if you don't like it is just say nope and you'll get your money back so go and check them out as i say it's very important you'll get peace of mind Go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I am your host as always. We've had brighter starts to the show, I think it's fair to say, but we've had better weekends. Joining me to discuss the fallout from an old firm defeat that more than likely ends our title challenge this season is from Four Lads Had a Dream, Stevie Clifford. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I think that summed up how the Rangers support is feeling as, uh, as a whole at the moment. And the Fredo to my Michael, it's Cameron Bell. David, not happy at the weekend, but happy to talk to you as always. Yeah, well, look, 
I don't think anyone who's tuning in is expecting it to be all uh, flowers and roses. It can't be. And straight up, Stevie, you wanted to discuss uh, the incident that started the second half with uh, the bottle being thrown. Yeah, David, um, last time we podded together um, with CJ, we were given a wee bit of stick because we didn't bring up um, the behaviour and things at the start. And somehow it was used against us to justify what had apparently went on and, and you know, basically, as always, we can't really do anything right. So I'm going to start off, David, if you don't mind, by just saying whoever threw that bottle yesterday, you've completely embarrassed us all. You've embarrassed the club. And I hope that if and when you're caught, you no longer get back to see Rangers. Heavy, isn't it, Cammy? And old firm days, early start. I mean, God, I can't say anything in terms of that. I used to just, for a 12 o'clock, drink right through for the Saturday. But if... You can't control yourself when you're that hammered, then drinking you don't get on. And I speak from experience there, folks. I'm not being a hypocrite. No, it's not. And same as yourself, David, I enjoyed a, 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 a wee um, bevy before the game and stuff. And, you know, I used to live quite local to Ibrox. So the kind of general rule of thumb was for an old fun game on a Sunday at 12 noon kickoff. I was always round to mine. And I'd have people in my house from, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning. We'd sit, we'd get full of it and go up. But I was with people who I know could control themselves, who could look after themselves, who knew where the line was and stuff as well. There seems to me, and maybe it is just me, more of a growing culture of being able to take things into the ground. Almost everyone around me yesterday, if they hadn't had a drink, were drinking within the ground, whether it was glass bottles or plastic bottles they'd smuggled in or whatever. What I'll say to people is, I mean, I'm hoping that we get to the stage where we don't have to start self-policing this, but I think unanimously I've seen everywhere um, people condemning this idiot that, that threw that bottle onto the park. I totally agree with that. Everyone does. Everyone listens to this well as well. But the other thing to that is, you know, if this continues going down this road, then the club are going to have to start taking action about doing, you know, greater searches get into the ground that leads to way greater queue times get into the ground that means having to get there earlier that's a knock-on effect for everybody so i just beg to employ some common sense and let's just wrap it in the head have your fill before you get into the ground as long as you can control yourself in the ground that's great but taking projectiles in now and leading to this is going to have huge ramifications for it as well yeah, you're trying to hurt somebody. It's unjustifiable. You're trying to hurt someone, and you would have. I mean, he could have hurt more than more than one player. Uh, make it a hurt. You know, plenty of players could have gashed their knee on it. I think as well that I don't want to you know spend all day on this, so we'll, we'll just wrap it up here. But I think that the self policing thing, I hear that a lot, and and to be honest, I really hate that because if somebody's bevied and coked out their tits and acting like the asshole. It, it shouldn't be up to somebody who's just paid their money to go and watch a game to go and uh, deal with that. You don't want to get near them. No, yeah. and I don't blame people for not wanting to get near them. Um, so, yeah, I think it is something that, that needs to be nipped in the bud. Just, just, yeah, the, the, the thing is, I know that this is a problem. There's always going to be idiots in a supporter size. And the problem is, is that they're not likely to, to listen to, you know, you or me. And the people who are listening to this show are not likely to be particularly liable to do it and, and that is the issue but he will be caught he will be banned and it was a very very stupid thing to do right let's get on then to the game we've delayed it for about as long as i think we possibly could rangers had to win and in the end lost um despite having a great start and stevie let's kick off with that rangers have lost 13 points this season from winning positions won three points from winning positions nine of those points at home 
you cannot expect to be winning titles if you cannot take advantage when you give yourself the platform to go and win a football match. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think, um, you know, on the, the wider sort of scheme of things as we, you know, obviously we're looking at yesterday, but the title wasn't lost yesterday. And if that sounds defeated, I apologise. It's just where I am. Um, realistically, I think it's a, a really big mountain to climb. So we'll, we'll say that at least. But these results, David, that you're talking about in these positions we've lost, you know, you look back into those three draws, um, you know, likes of Motherwell when they first came, Hearts, you know, last minute, Aberdeen at home. These are the games, Ross County away after Christmas. Results like yesterday can happen. Um, I wouldn't say it's a freak result in terms of, but in, in an old form, these these results can happen. It's the other places that we've lost and not picked up points. And unfortunately, the situation, you know, where we are, and it, it doesn't make good reading, you know, 50% win rate for Geo and, you know, a 12-point swing. Including these things, David, it's it's not good enough. No, it's not. And and look, we'll get into the actual game itself in a minute. But this is the issue with this group of players, Cami. Um, I was indebted to a friend who sent me the stats, and one of them pointed out that the points per game this season under Van Bronckhorst and under Gerrard is pretty similar. So it's not specifically Van Bronckhorst that is a problem. Now he's dropped this lead and that's because Celtic have got their act together but the players have can, have just kept producing what they've been producing all year which is not good enough No they've, they've phoned in I think a lot of them felt that 55 completed football therefore there was nothing else to do with it and then we went into this season and we've lacked sharpness we've lacked hunger um, some of the players yesterday I felt that it was, you know, you mentioned it on um, your post-match yesterday on the network, David, that it was very much a microcosm of our season, and it really was. Stevie's absolutely right, because this is where yesterday was the shining example of where we've just seen players look to be able to provide a, a maybe a 6 or a 7 out of 10 in terms of effort, and, and we've done that across the course of the season, pre and post um, Van Bronckhurst's arrival. Um We've failed to arrest the slide. We've failed to to look at uh, the players. Have said that they've reflected and they've 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 looked towards the group to be able to understand what's going on. I don't really know if I believe that because yesterday, you know, everything swings towards our momentum. If we were able to get that result yesterday, if we were to go across and get a positive result in Braga, and then maybe in a couple of weeks be able to go and take a really positive result out of Hamden, all of a sudden it really does start asking questions of this Celtic team. And all I was left with, really, was the questions I already had about this Rangers team. Here's the thing, right, and Stevie, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Cammy, you, you tend to be more of a pessimist than me, and I tend to be more of an optimist. Stevie's the same as me. And anyone who's listened to this show over the years will know that. And even the first couple of seasons, and the team has changed since then, but there are still a lot of players there. I defended them because I felt we were building towards something, and I felt last season was was that we were putting in place a team that was capable of going and winning a league title and there would be bumps in the road. It took longer than I expected it to, but we did get there. Yesterday, believe it or not, was the first time where I thought, no, I have no faith in this lot. Um, and that I, I can no longer say that 
I do believe that when the chips are down, they'll show up because I don't think they do. Um, and I think it, you go back to earlier in the season, you go to Ross County for that two-week draw, you go to Motherwell a few weeks ago. For whatever reason, there's something in the makeup of a, a number of those squad members, Stevie, that when pressure is applied, they don't react. Last year, because they were able to run away with it, it was fine. It was never really put under test in the, the league. It was put under test in the cup and they failed both. Uh, they should have ended up with the treble. They didn't. And the problem is, as I look round that squad of players and I see guys who I think are checked out, Aribo, Goldson, spring to mind there, I think are already looking ahead to their next move. I think guys who feel that they've run their race abound in, in other positions. And I just see very little in the squad that says that they understood that it was great winning the league, but then it's forgotten and you go on to the next thing. I don't believe that that has happened. And there is going to be a rebuild in the summer. There's absolutely no doubt about that. It was necessary, but it just crystallised for me yesterday because, again, yet again, maybe I'll be a wee bit harsh because as people who listen to the shows on on Patreon will know, I really did think we were going to turn up and put in a performance. I didn't know if we'd win the league, right? I'll say that right now. But I felt it was all set up. It was the type of match they react to. Crowd were there. They were buzzing. It was a huge match. It was almost like a European game. And the first five minutes, I thought, yep, that's exactly what I expected. Come out the traps, firing into it. They lose a goal and it all goes away. And I've seen that just too often with this side. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'll say that you did correctly say to me before the game that you felt that we could turn up and win and you felt that we would get that quick start, but we were a bit unsure about whether or not we'd run out of, of leg room in, in the league. So to give to back you up there, you def, we definitely did speak about that beforehand and, and we both went with a mindset that was positive yesterday. We got that good start. But as we, without going into the game too much and talking about points, David, I'm, I'm completely where you are and I'm where Cammy is and, and what Cammy said for me is true. There's players here phoning it in. And when you see lack of heart right in front of you, like failure to track runners, sometimes that happens in a game. You get confused and, and you get mixed up. I get it. I, like, I was never a good footballer, so I'm, I'm not going to criticise guys for making mistakes. But fundamentally, we are seeing a regular pattern of the same things happening on the same people. And this is where criticism of Giovanni is, is hard to defend because it's continuous same individual errors that we've spoken about for months and months and months. And he seems to, he's almost got himself in this bubble where he's got a selected 15 and everybody else is done and he won't even touch them or go beyond that. And that that is becoming problematic because there's instances, you know, and, and we spoke about, I don't want to ramble and deflect too much, but you go back to that St. Johnston game where no substitutions were made and, and we all thought that certain players during it were knackered. Well, yesterday's the exact same scenario in terms of certain players that he just refuses and he'll almost shoehorn them in to keep them on the pitch. And then it just, it, it breaks everything down and, and listen, I get it. And he said yesterday, subs sometimes work, some some you know, subs some they don't. But the, for me, there's things that he's making it easy for us to criticise because he's he's selecting and and the players are he's he, he's sticking with the same people that are letting him down. That's what I'm trying to get to. And Can't when you say about the players, I completely agree, mate. And and that's 
and and it's all a collective thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does, Cammy. I, I agree with what Stevie says there. I don't think there'll be much disagreement from any of us today because I don't care if you're optimistic, pessimistic, whatever. I think that it, it was glaring and real yesterday. Um, but I know that in in Scotland and the UK is football as a whole, but particularly in Scotland, that we sometimes do bang on about things like passion, application, attitude, and they don't make up for a lack of skill, right? If you don't have the ability to do a certain thing, then you don't have the ability. End of story, and you will reach a level. But it does exist, and you can see when it's there, and you can see when it's not. And to me, the goals yesterday were so symptomatic of this Rangers team season that confusion, this sort of tepid approach to it, this sort of confused, I don't know why, are you supposed to be, am I supposed to be there? Will I do this? Will you do that? And then as we attack that bad decision-making and then good positions wasted and eventually just panicking and resorting to lumping the ball in. And for me, a lot of those things come down to mentality because we know players in that side have quality, but they just don't show it in certain sets of circumstances. And that to me seems a mentality thing. Oh, definitely is. And I think we've watched very, very poor Rangers teams get battered off of Celtic. And by and large, you can be the world's biggest optimist, the world's biggest pessimist, but you'll still fall to a space of, you know, when you look at their levels and what they've got, they are better than us. Therefore, you know, if we get a draw, if we were able to get something out of this, then it's a huge, huge, you know, boost to us or it'd be a huge result. Yesterday, that wasn't the case. I, I fundamentally disagree with all of this kind of let's do a who would get into our team stuff. I never really subscribed to a lot of that stuff, David. The problem that I saw yesterday was there was just a real lack of energy. There was a real lack of spark. You're right about the whole, there is a degree of confusion. Our defence at the moment is a complete shambles and no one knows what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, to, to, to Stevie's point, it does make it easy for us to criticise that because in actual fact, it's blatantly obvious and I don't care if you are playing against teams at the top of the league or the bottom of the league, as we have done in the last few weeks, and you concede stupid goals. That's exactly what's happening. Um, but even going forward, that was the frustrating thing for me yesterday. Even going forward, we just looked like we could play a straightforward pass. We kind of refused to do that. Everybody had to have a touch of the ball. We couldn't score unless, you know, it was a slide drill pass into somebody making a phenomenal run. Maybe there's just parts of this where we need to be able to try and look at the basics, but some of the basics we struggled with at times as well. What I do want to see is players looking like they care. And I don't know if I'm necessarily subscribed to guys having checked out already, because listen, there's still some top tier prizes on the table here for them to be able to try and achieve. But my concern, as I said uh, to some of you boys yesterday was, what I'm really worried about is looking at that team yesterday, looking at the energy levels, looking at the sharpness, looking at the urgency, and then what I'll see in Portugal on Thursday. Because if that's totally different, then we've really got a mentality problem in this because they're turning it on and off when they choose to do so. And that's unacceptable. I believe yeah, that, that's happening. I believe that's happening. I don't I don't think you can argue with it. I don't I don't know how a team can go and scud Borussia Dortmund and then lose a two goal home at Leeds to Motherwell. I, I just I don't understand that. It, and we see it all the time. I think the issue is as well, David, sorry Cammy, just to, to kind of butt in slightly. I've got an issue with, and this brings up bad kind of memories of what 
players have said in the past, where you get what James Tavernier said, and then you get Ryan Kent saying they like playing in Europe because it's less pressure and it's more relaxed, etc., etc. That all points to one thing. And when they're winning, that's brilliant because nobody will bother and nobody brings it up. But when we go through situations like this, and this season's almost a mirror image of the one that was curtailed by by COVID, if you look at it in terms of exactly our result pattern and everything else, it's more or less similar. When that happens and when you think about and you start to question the mentality and then the players have said these kind of things and then they're showing it right in front of you. I mean, Christ, we looked invincible in Dortmund. We looked like a fantastic football team. Then the second half at home to Dortmund, we should have beat them. We looked absolutely fantastic. Then we go to St. Johnston or they go like yesterday and they look like they've never seen each other. And that it's not right for me. That that is a that is a purely mentality thing. And for me, David, when you say that you think you're switch, I, I, that's me. That's where I am with them. I think they're picking and choosing, and I think there's players in that team that are picking and choosing. Yeah. The real the real issue with with this as well. And please, you know, no laughing at the back when I say this. But having watched the highlights last night, watched the game again today. That is probably one of the least offensive Celtic teams I've ever seen come and play at Ibrox. Because if you if you watch the game again and try thinking back at it now, by and large they don't really have any real emphasis to come out of their half once they go two one up. There's a great save from McGregor the ten minutes before time, but beyond that, there isn't really too many other chances that you can really pick and choose from. By and large, they look like a non-old firm team coming to Ibrox looking to be able just to sit in and contain what they had. They had no real desire to be able to go forward and we still couldn't be able to try and beat down that place. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a real problem. I get the whole, well, we can play like this against Red Star and Borussia Dortmund and all the rest of it. And yes, we know that those teams will give us more freedom than we're usually allowed domestically in terms of, you know, there will be more space, there's more chance to be able to try and play good football. I get all of that. But what we're talking about here is application. And that's where I think both of you are totally right. That's where I feel like as if we, we pick and choose exactly when we want to, to go in to, to express ourselves. And yesterday we, we made the decision not to do so. Yeah, it's not a case of sitting saying, oh, they're not trying to win. I think they are. I think they go out and they, and the problem is, is they don't hate to lose as much as they should. And they don't hate to draw as much as they should. And I think if you look at the amount of times this season that they have come back and snatched a draw, but not a win, that kind of indicates that they get to a place and go, well, that's all right. Um, and I think that that has been a legacy of winning the title last season and winning the title so easily. Uh, a friend of mine said this to me. He said, the problem is, is that you can't tell a guy after a feast that he's, he's hungry if he doesn't feel hungry. And that's been the case, I think, with the squad this season. Gerard couldn't. Van Bronckhorst hasn't been able to. And yet in Europe, where the hunger is clearly still there, you see a totally different animal. And that's, I think, a, a, a cause of some mystery and some frustration to the sports. So we look for ways to explain it. And we might be miles off. I think, you know, we'd hold our hands up and say that. we. This is just our theories. But this is how it looks to us, the paying customers, that they do seem to pick and choose what games they're bang up for. And I think it, it it's realistic that there's a lot of gallows humour after the defeat. Um, and a prodder Martin said to me last night, and I laughed darkly, but the fact is, is I think we all suspect this could be true. He said, they could beat Celtic in the semi at Hamden, but we all know we'd lo- they'd lose the final to Hibs. And I sort of, as I say, I kind of, you know, evil laugh, but it's, it's kind of true. And that's the problem with them. They, they don't inspire trust. They don't inspire any confidence because... You know, they'll probably drag us all back in with Braga on Thursday, I get that and then 
it'll go tits up again fairly soon because I just don't think that the the mentality and the application is there. Now, I want to talk specifically then about the, the way the team uh, has functioned. Probably more of a general point for this season, but Cammy, you nailed it there when you said the defence has been a bomb scare all season, which it has. And I think contrasting with last year, there's been a lot of chopping and changing in it due to injuries and whatever, so I get that. But uh, something that you've taken a lot of, of abuse for, Stevie, uh, was Alan McGregor. Now, I've kind of banged on about this as well all season. McGregor's had a terrible season. He has. I'm sorry, he has. He is a Rangers legend. He is arguably our greatest goalkeeper of all time and his achievements will be held up forever. But you cannot, I think, you cannot argue with any great conviction that he has played well this season. Yet again, yesterday, the first shot he should hold, he's got to hold it and he doesn't. The second one, when the ball was in the air, I'd said to, to Adam, who was sitting next to me in the in the gantry, well, he's got to come for that. I knew he wouldn't, but a goalkeeper should have come and dealt with that, and most goalkeepers would have. The fact that he knows, or rather, we know he's not going to come, and the opposition know he's not going to come, means that we find ourselves defending that type of ball in our six-yard box, whereas other teams are defending it on the edge of the 18-yard box, which means that when, one, I think that does inspire panic because the ball's so close to your goal, that happened, and some of the defending round it, don't get me wrong. I mean, as I say, confusion, nobody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Aribo is near the halfway line in the ball and he's man at that point. But because of that, something that would be routine on the edge of the box or much easier to deal with falls to Carter Vickers eight yards out and he puts it away. It It's a handicap on the team now. And I'm sorry, I love Alan McGregor as much as anybody. He's a wonderful player and a wonderful servant. But he shouldn't be Rangers goalkeeper in 2022. No, he shouldn't. And what I'm about to say, and it will be harsh, certainly shouldn't be taken as an overall criticism of what Alan McGregor's given us. But we need to move away, much like, you know, going on about 55 and what these players done during that. We need to move away from that slightly It's because we need to focus on what we're getting now. There's very little upside to a goalkeeper that doesn't come off his line or command his area, or even to be, once it it becomes known, David, that he's not coming, it's just, it's carnage, and we've seen it, and you journey back all the way back to, you know, the end of January, and that game up at Ross County, when they get a corner in the last minute, what do they do? They they put it right in on top of him, and they know that he's he's not coming. It bounces. Yeah, it bounces about, and yesterday was similar. Now, we can we can talk about the defender and everything else, which was shambolic. But when you put a ball on the edge of your your six yard box, you've got to come and get it. You have to come and and not even particularly get it as such. You've got to come and get something on it, punch it, do whatever. Then your defence run out. See, because he doesn't do that. Look at how deep our centre backs were at the point where Carter Vickers scored. They're all behind the ball trying to guard the line because they know he's not coming. The first one is a is a horror mistake. It's as bad as letting it go through your legs. It's a weak shot. I don't know what he's tried to do with his body shape. It's all wrong. He's basically pushed it straight to the one man who's standing there who, who plays it straight in. So Alan McGregor has directly cost Rangers, by my count, nearly on seven or eight goals, directly his fault. He's indirectly cost us another half dozen. And it's... 
and this goes all the way back, David, to November when we got beat by Hibs, and that was the first time I properly called and said, and we got a lot of criticism for that. And then after Red Star, people were saying, you know, that's why he's legends, that's why he's the best we've ever had, etc., etc. I don't think anyone sitting here would would argue that Alan McGregor's still capable of world class saves and one on one moments and stuff like that. He won the second half. Yeah, exactly. But that's not the issue. That's not what's costing us. What's costing us is the overall effect it's having, not only on our team, but on other teams. Because when they come to Ibrox or we go to their ground or whatever, they know he's not coming, put the ball right on top of them. And you've seen it from our defence as well. So I'm sorry if it's if it's repeating itself again or whatever, but Alan McGregor needs to come out of, of Rangers' goal if we're going to get anywhere within the next couple of months. And, and I know people will say it's reactionary again, I've been quite consistent with this throughout. John McLaughlin's just signed on our two and a half year deal. Is there a, a massive downside to him going in? Is he a, as good a shot stopper as Alan McGregor? Well, we don't technically know yet because we've not seen him. No, he, he's not. He thing. never will be. No, but we're he's not. not Alan McGregor. But he can kick better and he can command his box better. And yeah, sure, but it, you need to make the trade off. What at the moment is better overall for us? And certainly domestically, I look at it and I think the the kicking, because we're going to have a lot of the ball and the, the command, because teams will put crosses in against us. We also need to figure out, David, whether or not he's good enough to be number one next year. So, we've got six games left in the league, which includes a trip to their place. Now, for me, I know people will say this is defeatist and everything else. I get it. Apologies. For me, it's gone. It's too far away. So, put him in and let's see how he can handle it. And I go back to what I was saying before in terms of, he's not been in for Rangers where he's been required to make world-class diving saves, etc. We've not really seen that from him yet. So I would like to see him um, properly be in a team like this where he can exude a wee bit of confidence and we can see whether or not he's good enough to be our number one for next season. And Alan McGregor staying in at the moment is doing more damage than it is doing positive. And again, I don't mean to be overly negative. It's not a slight on his career and his longevity and all that for the club which has been amazing but at the moment he's not playing well enough to stay in that team Cammy, he's not picking himself though He's not but then there's probably a, a couple of things just in the, the points that you boys were, were, were talking about there in terms of I think you're seeing a much quieter Alan McGregor because I think he knows now see previously when again there was there was issues in front of like you know he's back for and those issues were happening in front of him, he was the first guy out to start screaming at people. And we're not really even seeing that any longer, because I think he knows himself. He's not playing anywhere near well enough. I, I do understand the hesitancy to criticise him. What I don't understand is, you know, we, 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 we have a sentimentality towards him, because I do think he is one of our greatest of our goalkeepers. understand that. Now, whatever happens to me now in the end of the season, it's not going to change that opinion. It's really not. Because what's done is done, right? And I agree with Stevie with regards. Um, we need to have a look at next season's options, but I don't think goalkeeper the goalkeeper position is the only position within which we need to consider that. So there's definitely some some work in the larger picture there. The the, the problem I've got with where Al McGregor is at the moment is uh, to answer probably the question you boys were kind of asking around about their uh, way there was. I trust Alan McGregor implicitly if a, a player is running towards him in a one and one. I implicitly, I trust him. Even if the guy has an early shot, I think McGregor saves it. If he's looking to be able to come in, I think he spreads himself well. Ironically, he also did that in the Celtic game yesterday as well. 
What I don't trust, and where McLaughlin probably is is slightly better at this because he actually tries it, is any kind of cross ball coming into the box is just, you know, David, you said that to yourself yesterday watching that second goal. And I can guarantee the other voice in your head turning and went, he should come for it. Another voice said, yeah, but he won't. Not I know yet. for a fact he won't. Yeah. So, Adam literally said he won't while the ball was in the <laughs> yeah. air. So... Now, you know, as you've already pointed out, we've got that that deficit that's there. I don't understand as to why we can't address that problem. And you to answer your initial question there to me, David, was you're right, he, he, he's not picking himself. I don't know if the manager does feel a degree of sentimentality towards it or whether or not he thinks that McGregor is a protected player. And if he drops him, then the manager comes in for criticism or whatever. See, if I'm being honest with you, I think as a support, we kind of just need to get past that now. And we need to think about what's happening from August onwards. So if it's going to be the case that we're going to bring in John McLaughlin and we're putting our chips on him, get him involved as soon as we possibly can now. And Alan McGregor will never be less thought of because of what he's been unable to contribute this season because people will remember him coming back for 55. People will remember him being one of the greatest goalkeepers that there's ever been for Rangers Football Club. That's his legacy. Whatever happens between now and the end of the season doesn't make a difference. The other side of that coin, and I'll stay with you, Cammy, on this one, um, but I will get Stevie's take on it in a minute, just to freshen things up. You know, we can't like the manager for not freshening things up if, if I don't do it on the show but uh, he said yesterday we won't look for excuses Alfredo Morelos wasn't available which we know um, in came Kamar Roof and again I hold my hands up I thought Roof had looked sharp in his last few matches and I said well you know it could work he's a good player he's got old firm goals in the past etc etc and it didn't didn't function at all and in fact particularly in the second half the team almost forgot that it was Kamar Roof and not Alfie and started playing as if Alfie was there. We over-rely on Alfie. That's There's no doubt about that. He does a whole range of stuff, even when he's not scoring goals. He is such a massive part of that side, such a contributor, that when he's not there, you really notice it. However, in general, and this is a, an accusation against the team all season, you couldn't issue it last year, you can this. We don't score enough goals. It, it really is that simple. You've got Alfie, you've got Tav, and that pretty much is it. Sakala, I think, is the next top scorer, and mainly from the bench. The team in general doesn't put the ball in the net often enough, whether it be from missed chances. The thing that drives me nuts is not so much the missed chances, although it does frustrate me. It's the the amount of times Rangers get into a really good position and then through piss-poor decision-making, the wrong pass, the wrong choice of pass, screw it up. That, to me, is the story of this season in 90 minutes yesterday. It is, and um, well, you know, beforehand when Alfie uh, wasn't going through the greatest scoring streaks, what we've seen from him in the past is that he's been able to set up chances. Other players have chipped in with goals, as you rightly say, been able to try and take that now. Sakala, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done with now in terms of, I just think his 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 end product, his, his thought process in the final third is, is fairly horrendous. But as you've rightly pointed out... I thought he, out, he did all right when he came on yesterday. I thought he did more than 20 minutes in a rebo did in the last few weeks. I think, it, yeah, that's fine, but that's not a high bar of comparison, I suppose. However, at the same point, there was also times yesterday where it looked like as if he didn't understand if he was stepping on Tav's shoes or not because of he was in a position where he should have been able to try and either cross the ball or drive in with it. And that's a rawness, right? I'm not necessarily blaming Sakala for the fact that he's not had 
a great deal of opportunities or he's not looking as if he's been coached near enough within his end product. But there is times where, like the, the players alongside him, his decision-making is so poor he doesn't know whether or not to have a dig or square it or to cross it or, you know, to do whatever. And as I mentioned earlier on, Celtic were perfectly happy to camp into their own box at that point, like any other SPL team where we had then have the responsibility to, to break them down. Because we are so scared at times of being able just to try and take a relatively straightforward shot. Sakala probably had the best chance when he, he forced a really good save from Joel Hart low down to his left-hand side. But beyond that, that was it. Ryan Kent didn't much away. Joe Rebo didn't get much away. Lundstrom did have a shot, but it was virtually from the halfway line um, in the in the second half. That was about all. And Roof has to be able to try and get support. I think I said to you boys in the build-up to this was, it wouldn't surprise me if Roof didn't set up the goals, but he would move players out of position and create space for others to be able to try and come into it. The problem, as you rightly say, David, is that we have got such a lack of commitment within that area that you know, we do rely upon other players to be able to try and score these goals, and it's just simply not happening. When Alfie was playing but not scoring, we did have players who chipped in, but as soon as we miss him, um, I mean, it is to cause an effect like a man down at times because we are so reliant on him to be able to try and get goals for us. It's like he's almost, again, as if maybe that's another demonstration of their attitude. It's like other players have thought, well, I don't really need to score because I know that Alfie will probably get one for us. Stevie? Yeah, I mean, it's... Do you know, it's just frustrating because I, I feel like we've had this discussion now for years when it comes to Alfredo Morelos. I mentioned it this morning in the article that we're now five years and four different managers and we don't have an alternative to Alfredo Morelos. Now, there's two sides to that. One, he's, he's so bloody good and important. And he's, he's almost irreplaceable. I get that. But as Cammy says, there's got to be a responsibility from other people that, that pitch in. Now, when Alfredo wasn't scoring yesterday, uh, sorry, not yesterday, but last season, we all spoke about how he was making such a difference to the team. Take you back to the very first game of the season last year where he, he dropped deep, linked up, Kent went through. We've not seen that this year. We've not seen anything like that this year because if he's not doing it, nobody else does it. And that's where it becomes, it just becomes so frustrating and it feels like a broken record in terms of players not taking responsibility. And, and we watched yesterday a mirror image repeat of what happened against Malmo at the very start of the season at home when we were 2-1 down that second half against 10 men. Side to side, back, side, back, side, poor cross. That's what we got yesterday. It wasn't until the 83rd minute when Connor Goldson, of all people, went down the right and put in a meaningful cross, which Roof kind of scooped just over. That was the only time they gave Roof an opportunity. So I'm loath to sit here and, and blame Kamar Roof for anything yesterday because he got absolutely zero feed and zero kind of opportunity to even muster. You know, we talk about his movement in that. Cammy's right. He is very good technically. You could argue better than Alfredo, etc. But he didn't even get that opportunity. We 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 just we clicked into this safe mode, which we've done time and time again, and we've seen year on year that if things aren't going right, it's the easy, easy passes instead of being brave and trying to break lines and stuff like that. And I just feel like I've watched yesterday, and I said to you yesterday, David, that. I was sitting there, you know, 65, 70 minutes, almost resigned 
And I've seen that before. And even when he gave five minutes at the end and you're expecting the big push and all that, it was never coming. And I feel that Sakala, you know, what Cammy said about Sakala is right. I do feel that and I do agree with it in terms of what he's saying. But I also think it's incredibly harsh on him because I think his attitude's 100% better than other people in the team with his effort and trying. And I get that's not good enough. And I get like that if the quality's not there. But I reckon if other people had the attitude that he had, we wouldn't be struggling and looking for goals and maybe in the mire as such if they applied themselves as he does. Right, the $64,000 question. And that is, of course, the future of the manager. Now, on heart and hand, you're about to hear a bit of heart and head from me. Logically, you can make a case for Gio. And I think we've discussed earlier, the points per game are the same. I think the players have been pretty similar under two managers this season. I think that there are issues with them collectively that we've discussed. I know those are all legit. He hasn't had a chance really to bring in his own players. He hasn't been backed financially. We know in the, the January break that no money was spent and it'll be the summer really before we see any of that money spent. So there's also the expense. If you were to, to pay him and his team off four months into a three and a half year contract, then that's going to significantly eat into next season's transfer budget, which is crucial. I think we'd like to see those pennies spent on the pitch. All of that is true. And all of those are good arguments. And yet, I have a little voice in my heart saying to me, I but. And that's that's where I keep coming back to. That logically, I can absolutely see, Stevie, that, yep, Gio, you know, he's, he's, he's done well in Europe. He's done well in the Cups. You know, he might end up with a couple of trophies. But there is just this thing that I remain unconvinced that I just can't quite shake Yeah, um, how do I word this? If people aren't on board with Gio at the moment, or if, if people aren't against Gio at the moment, and I don't like to say against because nobody's against the Rangers manager. If people are having doubts about him, by the end of this month, we could lose complete faith in him altogether. And that's that's unfortunately the uncomfortable truth of where Giovanni Van Bronckhurst is. If we get put out in a semi-final... And I'll leave Europe out slightly for a second, David. If we get put out in a semi-final and then have to go to their place before the end of the month, staring down a barrel of four old firm defeats, no Rangers manager should recover from that. Nobody, you know, you look back and, and maybe Alex McLeish did in a different world, etc. I think losing... But he'd started first, well. He'd yeah, started I think well. losing your first four is almost an impossibility. And it's something you mentioned yesterday, which is extremely true. Even if, if he does do that and then we have a semi-decent finish... As soon as it goes wrong next season, as soon as the first result or as soon as the, or an old firm defeat comes or what, whatever happens, immediately faith will be lost in, in Geo and, and where we are. So we've seen some good moments from Van Brockhurst. He's, he's made some big decisions and, and things have worked. Equally yesterday, bringing on Scott Arfield for, for Aaron Ramsey when Joe Aribo was dying on his feet after 10 minutes. These are things that I struggle to defend and I struggle to... It doesn't, when I think about these things, it, any faith and any kind of confidence I tried to build up in them in myself is evaporated by these kind of things. And I just get the, I just get the feeling that, and it, this is reactionary, of course it is, but this is a huge month for him. And if we don't come through it, even 50, 60% of the way there, then I think he's done 
And I think it would be, I would flip that then, David, and say, and I'll ask you back, if he does, in, in that situation, if that does, and we say we're sticking with him, do you trust him to oversee a, a squad rebuild in the summer? Because I wouldn't. Well, that then leads into the question as well, Cammy, about Ross Wilson. And I've said for a long time on here that I don't I think our last few transfer windows have been bloody awful. Do we trust him? Because it should be the director of football who's overseeing that. Do we trust him with any money? That's that is the that's the other sixty four thousand dollar question because I would say right now I don't I don't know where that faith is because I think Ramsey and Diallo came in as a little bit of a smoke screen um, in January windows and I've I've said before David that I think the January windows are a lottery right they they really really are so I, I don't I, I I can't see the faith that he should have given me where he would turn around and say that he's brought in key players at a time when we've really needed them. I, I, just on the, on the GVV point, I would say that that's where I think what will happen across the course of summer at the beginning of the season, we'll see responsibility lie on both their plates and, you know, the, the outcome um, in terms of what happens. Because what I expect from Van Bronckhurst is any players who stay, right? So we're just using Sakala as an example, right? Because we were just talking about him. If you can coach Sakala to be able to get a better end product, to tighten up his game, to be able to make better decisions, then that's your job as the coach and your coaching staff, right? So he he gets points for that. I think what Van Bronckers has to be able to do is instill a hunger and a motivation into a team to be able to do that. And I think a new intake help with that. Um, but again, like you say, it's his responsibility. So performance-wise, I think that that's actually where we would see an assessment and results will will take care of themselves. And I think that's where we've been so critical of the team from the beginning of this season is that from a performance perspective, we've not been happy with what we've seen. What Wilson needs to be able to do is provide him really with the team that can go out to be able to try and do that. Now, how much say he will have within that, I don't know, because I know... As, as both of you do, that Gerard had some say towards being able to try and get certain players in and quite a strong voice regarding certain players. If Van Bronckhurst is going to be there to be told, well, these are the players that we're going for, you really don't have much input whatsoever, then I would then say at that point, that is probably going to end up costing him his job if we don't recruit well. And what you've just said is totally true, David. We've not recruited well across the piece. So, I think we have to see what he can do with some degree of money because I also don't think he'll look to be able to go and spend fortunes. But the most important thing for Wilson now is to be able to then say what players are going to stay, what players are going to go. If we have to sell players in the summer to generate others coming in, I really don't mind that. I'm, I'm not saying that I want a fire sale and I want certain players to go because I've you know I don't like them or whatever. You know, there's 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 trophy winners in there that, as far as I'm concerned, we probably should have sold in the summer. And that's great with the benefit of hindsight, which Ross Wilson sadly doesn't have. But now he's got to be able to try and say, well, actually, if we do need to make major, major surgery to it, then these are going to have to be the players that's going to have to consider going. And he has to be strong enough to be able to make that call and those decisions. That's where these questions are going to be uh, put to him. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if we'd sold some of the players last summer, then we'd have been raging as fans. But unfortunately that is what happens if you are in these positions at Rangers you get them right or you get them wrong and if you get them right you get all the praise and if you get them wrong you get all the criticism and they got them wrong and they're getting the criticism that is what's that is what's happening at the moment Stevie David, other problem, sorry but are there problems further up the chain as well do we do we stop at the director of football 
I was going to say just on Ross Wilson. See on site on on transfers, right? Transfers can be a complete hit and a miss, and I don't think anyone would would sit here and and say that they wouldn't have signed Aaron Ramsey, for example. So I'm not going to completely throw Ross Wilson under the bus in terms of that. There is a bigger issue for me with Ross Wilson, and that is the contractual situation of our players, namely Morelos, Kent, Aribo, the fact that Goldson's about to walk out the door. We have a situation where squad valuation and everything else is massive for us. We, you know, we, we hark on a lot about you know, player model, etc., David, Surely this is on him, and if this situation is allowed, you know, to continue, we're not going to get the valuations of of Kent, etc. In the summer, if we have to manoeuvre this squad and sell, like Cami mentioned, that's a bigger thing for me, possibly than even you know bringing in Jack Simpson, who was destined to fail from word go, etc. So bad signings happen. That other side of it, David, is where I've got big issues for him. Yeah, I think that's that's fair enough. And yeah, Sorry and, and, to off me, I add. No, I mean it. It, it definitely it, it, they're all legitimate points, and I don't think the board have had a good season. Um, I don't think you know Robertson's had a good season. I think there's been bad decisions because I think once you make a few bad decisions, they begin to compound, and then you're making bad decisions from a point of a bad foundation, and that's why I think we badly need a reset in the summer. And we need to look at it honestly, not with a bunker mentality, not to say, I will, but oh, well, you didn't know or any of that stuff. To just say, right, what did I do wrong as whoever, as whatever the job title is? What could I have done better? All the way up to chairman. What did I get wrong? What should I have done better? And I think the obvious thing is, well, there was a lack of investment last summer, but equally, and we've spoken about this again before, we're asking people to put in their own money in. Um, to, to you can't spend money you don't have. Gerard, for example, he wanted money spent. We all know that, but equally, he wouldn't let anybody be sold. And it's well, you know, you can't have it both ways. I think a lot of people have made mistakes at Rangers this season, and that's why we've ended up where we have ended up. Right, folks, that will do us. Of course, there will be more uh, to talk about. Um, we do still, though, Cami, have a fairly big game coming up, and then another big game at hand in a couple of weeks. And this is something I hear a lot after a, an old firm loss or a, a big loss people say where do we go from here well the reality is Braga and then we go to Paisley and then we go to Ibrox for Braga second leg and then we go to to Hamden it keeps going and we keep going because that's what happens uh, and it might go well and it might go terribly it might be somewhere in between you wouldn't put it past this team though given the record to sort of hook us all back in with Braga only to then disappoint us again a week later Possibly, I did say, you know, we could beat Celtic 4-0 yesterday and then, you know, losing Paisley. That would be just like us as well. But what can you do, you know? Listen, the, the, the question now, right, is Europe is very much like our wee shining star that we have now at the moment. And if the players can continue to be able to perform on that level, then fantastic. No one's going to argue with that, of course or not. Do you know what I mean? If we could get into the semi-final of Europa League, it is and I'm not going to say a small crumb of comfort, you know, that is a huge slice of comfort being able to try and get that because, you know, European money, etc. as well, I understand all that. But when we're also talking about the level of recruitment that we've just mentioned, um, that's a huge part of that. I mean, there is no doubt about it. Of course, it would be nicer if it was a Champions League, but, you know, there you are. Um, we we have to be able to, to reset. I know we've said that for Christ, three or four years, David. I mean, we said it the same thing in 2019 after the League Cup final and then we went to their place and turned them over. 
it, these things have to happen. We just have to be able to try and get past it. And ultimately, we've spoken a lot about mentality. We need to be able to to, to see from these players uh, an improvement in attitude, a readjustment in terms of what we can do. The rest of it, yeah, I get the fact that you know we've used a, a core group of players, maybe. 14 to 15 strong, there's zero doubt to my mind they will be tired. I do get all of that. But this is your final push. This is where it's at. And if we can get through against Brighton, if we do well across in Portugal, I'd like to be able to let the home leg more or less just take care of itself. That's fine. All of a sudden, you're in the semi-finals. But once we get through against them, against them at Ibrox, if that's going to be the case, it's it's a gargantuan effort at Hamden. So it just it has to happen. I'm, I love Street will take care of itself. I've got zero doubt about that. Um, but now the, the manager's going to have to make sure that he can actually get a message across to these players that it's, OK, if the league has gone, I don't, I'm not saying that we're surrendering it, but we have other things that we can look to be able to try and achieve. And a lot of Rangers fans would be very happy you know, with a great run in the Europa League and also the Scottish Cup. So it's back to them now. Yeah, the, the, I, do, I do hope it. The problem is it's a very difficult task. And isn't it sad and strange that Paisley has suddenly become one of the lesser important games? But that's the situation we find ourselves in. We will get back up. We've been through worse. We get knocked down and we come again. And we will do that again. But you have to learn the lessons. Uh, you have to find out why you ended up knocked down. And then when you pick yourself up, make sure to avoid them in the future. Right, folks, that will do us on Heart and Hand this week. My thanks to my executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. My thanks to our sponsors. And, of course, my thanks to Stephen Clifford. No, thank you, David. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope it wasn't as downbeat as we came across. And good luck to the team on Thursday night. As Cammy says, look, there's still massive, massive rewards there if we can just flip this and go on from here. Absolutely, and you can get Stevie's stuff if you just go to Four Lads Had a Dream. Just go into your Google, type in Four Lads Had a Dream, and up it will come. Cami, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you both. Um, a little bit cathartic, but uh, very much needed. Safe travels to everyone uh, spending their hard-earned cash following the team across to Portugal and stuff as well. Hope you all have a brilliant and safe trip, and uh, please come back with a strong victory. That would be That would be lovely too. I totally echo that. Right. Thanks for listening, folks. Talk to you again next week. Take care. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.